This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. Yes, this is the podcast that talks about technology from a blind person's point of view. <laughs> I know it's funny when you say it that way, isn't it? Uh, with me, Stephen Scott, is Sean Priest. Hi, Sean. A proper intro. See, that's the proper way to do it. We've hit February and you've finally done one. Well done. Hello, Stephen Scott. I think you mean February this year. Uh, I finally managed to, to get an introduction right. That's probably the first time in my career as a broadcaster. Uh, yes, good to have you, Sean. Uh, Tim's not with us this week. I know, he's sunning himself. He should be ashamed. It is unbelievable. I'll tell you what's more unbelievable. This guy does not know what the word holiday means or vacation means because he's he's constantly on on the whatsapp and telling us what he's up to and then in between saying hey we should talk about this and we should talk about that and like go on holiday man i tell you something when i'm in the caribbean later this year you won't even know if i'm still alive because i will be under a buffet that's why it's touch and go yeah um so we're going to get into the news this week because there's lots to talk about. Uh, Tim will be back with us next week, though. All going well, um, you know. He's although I have to say, all well, going well. Well, I say all going well. <laughs> Doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> what, what I mean by that is that uh, he's he was telling me he's got a bit of a cough, you know, a bit of a cough, a bit of a sore oh. throat. And like, oh dear, the cruising bug. Yeah. Mm, but yeah, there's nothing worse than a cruising boat. I want him uh, in quarantine before he comes back. Exactly. I don't want to sit in this studio <laughs> and uh, be covered in jams. So no, I, I am. Uh, I, you know, hope he gets back uh, and you know is well when he returns back. But yes, <laughs> we took a joyful holiday for him and uh, turned it into a disease-riddled cruise. We're so sorry, Tim. We're missing you. Yes, missing you. No, no I, absolutely. Of course we miss him. But, you know, we want him to be back healthy. So, you know, hope you get back soon. And all's well. And uh, the holiday's great. Now, that's, uh, all that aside, let's talk about, um, well, l- we're going to talk about the news today. We've got lots to talk about in the, the news. But before we get into all that, uh, I want to mention ATIA. It's a conference that happens. It's the Assistive Technology Industry Association Conference. Well remembered. I know. I, I, that's a hard one to remember it for is. me. I struggle with that one every time. Uh, and it's actually been around for a while, although I wasn't aware of it, really, if I'm honest. Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about that. And to do that, well, we've got someone who knows something with us this week. How unusual. <gasps> wow. Tim should go on holiday more often. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that. Uh, well, let's um, let's bring on uh, JJ Meadow, who, by the way, is on... Uh, Skype for us and uh, is is not in the best of locations, but we're going to bear with this signal anyway. Uh, JJ is with us here. Thank you for joining us in Double Tap, JJ. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you again. <laughs> oh, you said the C word. I can't believe it. A bunch of blind people. How dare you? Insensitive. And we're not even on video chat or anything. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's a proper blind CU, isn't it? Um, right. So uh, tell us, first of all, because I must admit, I, I'm not as familiar with this particular event uh, as other ones. So what is ATIA? So ATIA stands for the Assistive Technology Industry Association, and they've had a conference, I believe, for about 20 years now, focused more on educators, teachers, um, 
administrators as opposed to the CSUN conference coming up in March, which is focused a little more on innovators and consumers and web accessibility professionals. So it's often the first opportunity for companies to debut new products for the year, um, and especially products in the education vein uh, get debuted in Florida, which we'll talk about as uh, we go on here. Mm, okay, so lots of interesting stuff, I imagine, on, on show? More so than in the past. So ATIA has been kind of a quiet conference the past few years. It's, you know, people have waited for CSUN to debate, debut things, but there actually was quite a few new products debuted at the show. Ah, this is what I like, Sean. This is when it gets exciting. New products, new toys. New products. The trouble is, you see, is that word education. People tend to tune out. But if it's been going for 20 years, I mean, this is an established event. I'm surprised, really. I haven't heard much about it either. It's not as internationally based as CSUN, so perhaps that's why. You know, they're definitely focused, like I said, on teachers and educators, and they probably don't do as much reach. A lot of sessions on teaching things that we already know, you know, what is a screen reader or how do you use a smart assistant, you know, stuff that's very basic to us, but to a teacher who is new to the blindness field, it might be some of their first exposure to that stuff. So we want to talk about the products, uh, but just before we do, uh, you are putting together a whole host of podcasts, aren't you? They're going to be available on the Blind Bargains website, podcast and all of that. So come on, plug your Plug your stuff. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Actually, we recorded 11 podcasts down in Florida. They're all going to be released separately, so you can pick and choose, or we hope you pick all 11 of them. Uh, you can go to blindbargains.com slash audio, and they'll all be there. You can also get the Blind Bargains apps for iOS or Android, and uh, you can subscribe to us on pretty much anywhere where you can get a podcast. We are listed there in some form, or you can listen on the uh, with the A-Lady or with Google as well. And we're there. Brilliant. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, we'll, we'll give people again the details of that later. Um, I mean, it, you know, fairly standard. But, you know, I think it's important we, we say that because, you know, we, you, you are doing some great stuff. You were there. We weren't. So I think it's important that we, <laughs> you guys get the mention for it. I don't want to, you know, take credit for everything. Um, so let's let's delve into everything that's in those podcasts so we can get it out ahead of you. Um, so let's kick off with some of the, the product announcements then. So what, what would you say was the number one product announcement for you? Let's start big. So probably the biggest thing early, at least the one that caught the most attention and actually caught me a little bit by surprise until about a week before was humanware deciding to upgrade update the braille note touch which is yeah. the note taker was just released in the spring of 2016 i was thinking and several of my colleagues were thinking well it's been four or five years and i looked it up no it was csun 2016 when it was first announced but the current version or i guess now becoming the previous version had experienced some limitations it was running a really old version of android 4.4 and some of the hardware choices they had made at the time were limiting them from staying with times, as it were, uh, upgrading to a newer version of Android, including more modern apps. So what they've done is they've refreshed the hardware, added more modern ports, Wi-Fi, 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, USB-C, um, the Chrome web browser, Google Assistant, things that you get with Android 8.1. And then... It's still running Keysoft and all of their apps as well. So for people who just invested in a new note taker in the last year or two, they might be a little put off by this. They are up, uh, offering an upgraded uh, path that's at least a little bit cheaper, um, $1,300 as opposed to the $5,700 for a new one. 
You know, so there is a way to, and that's one of those deals where it'll transplant your existing Braille cells uh, to the new unit. But it doesn't look like the existing touch. I mean, I'm sure it'll get some minor updates, but they've definitely stated it's not going to get a newer version of Android. So the idea that the older Braille no touch might move beyond Android 4.4 seems uh, like it's not going to happen. And if you want to go that route, you need to uh, cough up the 1300 and, and upgrade to the new touch plus see that's the trouble for me that's that's uh, one of the problems with specialized tech is that shipping it with what was it running the original one android 4.1 4.4 4.4 uh, you know not being able to update that 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 is uh, an issue mm. and as you said it seems years ago when that was first released and it was only 2016 and and to be at that point where we're at now whereas basically it's 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 gone that's it you're stuck with that uh, unless you want this new model and you know, they're not going to put any more work into it by the signs of it at least not a lot you know one, one of the, the things that they did mention i talked to andrew Platt, uh, flatters on a podcast and they've made a lot more mainstream hardware choices with this round so that should allow them as he puts this to upgrade to newer versions of android at least the next one or two as they come out so hopefully that'll happen this time around but that price tag though i mean that is i mean it's a lot of money and I know that obviously this is being launched at an education event and there are a lot of children that will want to be using this kind of technology and I don't know if, if I guess that there will be schemes in place to purchase this equipment. I mean, it seems to me, and we've said this before on the show, that these prices seem to be set at the government education uh, employer even level rather than the consumer level. It seems to me also that a lot of the cost still remains the cost of Braille cells. You know, you have products like the Orbit Reader, which are trying to break those barriers. But traditional Braille cells are still not a cheap thing for any device. And that is a cost that largely gets passed on to consumers. Yeah, but that's the thing for me, though. That, that's, I mean, you can't get over having more choice, people having more choice, which is where this sort of technology comes in. And the, the form factor of it, that it's all in one unit. But, you know, pick up something like the Orbit reader or one of these cheap readers that are coming through and a standard android phone or tablet which will for the most part if it's a, a well-known brand be updatable from the uh, operating system point of view then from a price point alone it seems like a you know a wiser decision but i, I totally understand people do love the brown note touch well and you know like you said again it's really up to the market you mentioned education both the, the braille note touch and the hymns displays they were showing the q braille xl which i know you've talked about before they have a huge education focus one of the big things that those will do better than your combination of a phone plus braille display is dealing with math and other equations things like that mm. and that's the area where you know your cobbled together phone plus display, display solution isn't going to do as well yes it's a lot of money but i know for some people that might be the the best option i think that's the point isn't it i mean we've often had this conversation about what sean always asks a really good question which i i, I hate admitting this but he does he'll <laughs> occasionally say something and i'll think for once that's not nonsense um and thank it, you <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be appreciated. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I like to give credit where credit's due. Uh, but no, honestly, I, I think because what you tend to ask is, well, what can I do with this that I can't do with the other? You know, so when we talk about um, Jaws and Narrator, uh, you know, Narrator has obviously improved a lot and you can get Jaws, but why would I pay for Jaws when Narrator can do the job? And on it goes. But there are reasons why some people would choose that over the other. In this case, you're right. The Braille Note Touch and the, the Q Braille 
they are very much all about education and education focus. It is interesting because I'm at the point where I mean I'm, I've I've been learning Braille and I've put the order through for my Focus 40 Braille display, which I'm very excited about. Um, and I'm getting a Focus 14 as well, so I've got something portable. And what I'm thinking, and I was looking at the Braille Note Touch, I was seriously considering it. And what put me off was the fact that I felt, mm, I'm an Apple guy. I would, I'd have to go then and learn all the Android stuff and all the Keysoft stuff, whereas I can just tether my Focus 14 to my iPhone and get on with my life. So it, I know it is down to the individual, but you know I just think yeah. there, there are cheaper ways to do things if you were looking for options. Absolutely, you know. Well, you know, when you look at the cheaper ways uh, to do things, uh, what happens when you when you make things cheaper? Um, have you guys looked at a product? I guess it just made it to the U.S. this year called the Braybook. Oh yes, yes. I, I do remember this. Yeah, because we we um, yeah in the U.K. we had a chance to see this a couple of years back, uh, or at least the early prototype of it. Well, well, it somehow it came here. I'm willing to send it back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, a glowing review upcoming. I can tell. Oh. I mean, and look, I, I hate to put down products, but yeah, so it's a one-cell Braille display. Kind of looks like a little mouse, and it's being introduced to the U.S. market now for about $500. But just imagine trying to read a book with a one-cell Braille display. They had the Constitution of the U.S. up there, so it's W-E space, D-A-E space. And I, I really hesitate. I mean, maybe there's a market I'm missing, but that... To me, I mean, I guess there's what happens, so like, especially next to the Orbit or the Braille Me, that was kind of one of the more baffling uh, products that I've seen. But apparently it's been successful in other countries or they've just sold them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It's, I mean, people are interested in it for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I am kind of struggling now with the Orbit 20 because it's got 20 cells. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, how would I cope with one? Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of that. I guess you can adjust the reading speed to suit yourself and all of that. Sure. Well, what was the uh, which one? The, the, there was the one cell Braille note taker back in in the '90s, but at least that was an entire note taker. <laughs> you know, this just reads books mm, and it's just house. Yeah. Okay, so Humanware brought that out. Now, that's not the only thing they brought out. Am, am I right in saying they brought out a new CCTV as well at ATIA? Yes, they're one of a couple companies uh, to bring out new CCTV models. So their series is called the Reveal 16 and 16i. And this is a really good example of targeting different markets with similar products. The 16 is a very simple, transportable is a term they're using, video magnifier. It has just four buttons. It can fold up. It's kind of semi-portable. And like I said, four buttons, so just power... Uh, magnification, contrast, and a uh, a lock button of sorts. And you can use it. You can carry it around with it. It has a, a camera that can either point down or point out for distance. And then if you want to go more advanced, um, you can get the 16i. And that one has a fifth button where you can flip over and it will run Android and the Prodigy software, which they have on some of their other magnifiers. So it does a lot more to read books. It'll do OCR um, and things like that. So... $29.95 or $39.95, depending on which one of those uh, you want. And that was definitely uh, a big product for them at the show. Yeah, I mean, I've got the Prodigy, uh, what have I got? The Prodigy Duo 20, um, which is a nice machine. One one of the things for me now is that I'm glad it can speak because I can't really read it anymore. Right. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically just a huge reading machine now for me. Uh, yeah. You ever tried these, Sean? No, I was just going to say, I, I 
I love this sort of um, this platform. Actually, I I missed it. By the time I was actually using CCTVs and the magnifiers, um, it was still the the big CRTs that you had to take up a room with, or you know they were massive. Um, so these these new generation, well, they've been around for years now, but the the thin TFT style, um, I think are are really useful for people with low vision. I think they can make a real difference, and they're just a lot more. Um, portable now than they used to be. I, I, I'm sort of sad that I missed it. I missed the boat on that. My, my eyesight is at a stage now where they're no use to me anyway. Don't but, be um, too yeah. uh, despairing because uh, the Prodigy Duo 20 is not portable by any stretch unless you enjoy a hernia, <laughs> uh, which I don't. <laughs> Um, well, when I say portable, I'm thinking of I had a black and white CRTV, you know, like a 20-inch one. It was huge. And not just that, the stand underneath and the big camera that came yeah, with it. Right. You know, it, it it was a big installation. It was like carrying a wardrobe around with you. Yeah, these at least have batteries in them now, and those did not have anything. No, like that's them. true. <laughs> no, the battery pack would take up a room as well. Uh, but yeah, that's good. So Humanware brought out some products. Okay, so what what else did you notice? What else were you sort of? I know you're going to do get into all this in your podcasts, so I don't want to give everything away. But you know, what were your sort of other points of note? Well, while we're on the magnifiers, one more that is a little more portable that. Uh, you might have played with and is now coming here is the latest version of the ReadEasy called the Evolve. Um, IREAT is selling that here. It's a product from VisionAid International. And that's a four-pound kind of transportable uh, video magnifier with OCR. And the one thing that kind of sets it apart, it has two different camera mounts, one for regular 8.5 by 11 paper and one for larger 11 by 17 paper. So you can kind of unpluck the camera, drop it in the other slot, which is a little bit higher, and then you can read a newspaper. That's how they were demoing it uh, Mm. and other larger uh, text. So I thought that was an interesting take on it. And that one, under four pounds, that one really is portable. You see, again, I wonder, right, so for Sean and I, and and maybe you could speak for Tim here, although I don't want to speak a ton for Tim, but I think for us, I would say that I'm quite happy with seeing AI on my phone. Now, Mm -hmm. I, I know this is for education and don't get me wrong when i was at school and i was using this kit you know i totally understand why it was important because you know i was reading huge amounts of documents and books and all the rest and and we didn't have we didn't have anything at our school because we were all poor <laughs> uh, but you know I mean, we had this one cctv that i think six of us shared and no large print books so it was great uh you know so you queued up to read your books in, in the morning and that was how we did it so I absolutely get why you would need it now, but and for that purpose. But I think for the consumer, you know, for for Joe Public sitting at home right now who's thinking, hmm, what should I spend my three thousand dollars on? Would it be this or a you know flight to New York and a or a flight to Las Vegas and spend the money on the casino? I don't know. I'd prefer. This was only two grand. So come on, it's well, okay. Uh, two much. grand. Well, that's a, that's a cheap <laughs> flight, isn't it? But you know, well, you know, a lot of these go towards seniors as well you know people who don't want to mess around learning an iphone or, or downloading apps you know and that's where yeah, a lot sure. of the uh, more desktop you know, or people who want to read lots and lots of documents um at once but there were there were other things besides magnifiers not you worry so okay well i think that there is a bit of a crossover as well you know seeing ai is great for ocr but you, the video magnification aspect is also important maybe you've got enough vision to make out charts and graphs and diagrams and you know people want that so although there is a crossover in 
feature set then uh, but there is a specific main uh trick i suppose or or selling point to that product that's a really good point as well yeah again that really happens uh jj don't worry uh, what, uh, thank you i think that's I me. it'll happen I again might. yeah um okay so <laughs> what else did you spot there i'll tell you what i'll go a totally different uh, direction a couple of um products from American Printing House for the Blind uh, caught our attention, both aimed at kids. Uh, one, the simpler to describe, called the Braille Buzz. I was I was a kid, there are lots of toys for learning print, but there wasn't a lot of things out there for learning Braille. Well, that's what this is. It's a bumblebee-shaped toy with all the letters A through Z as buttons, and you can press one of them, and it will tell you, you know, hey, it's for Apple, but it also has the letters of Braille on it. And below that is a Perkins keyboard where whatever letter you type, it'll also say whatever letter it is that you typed or give you a, a sound if you type Why? something. I want one. Well, only 99 bucks. So there we go. That'd be a lot more reasonable price. And what? it's a sorely I mean, needed toy. We need children's toys or anything to help teach Braille um, is a good thing in my book. And I'm glad that this came out. And it's, you know, it's, it's your fun. It's for ages two to five. You know, but hey, anyone who wants to look or forty-five. Hang, hang on a minute. I mean, I know you, you sound JJ to us as if you're standing on the middle of a highway. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify <laughs> what you said there. Ninety-nine bucks. Yes. Wow, that's brilliant. This is revolutionary. Well, yeah. I mean, that and the actual sort of fun aspect of it. Yeah. That really does put Braille back into you know, it's it's fun to learn, or you know, it's it's hard to get people to learn Braille sometimes because of the price yep. of the equipment needed and sometimes just because it's so oh, i don't know uh, educational maybe and it's just you know it's it's natural it's like the the toys you get uh, for sighted children it just makes sense exactly it makes a lot of sense it does letters it does phonics you know all the things that you would expect from a, a toy that teaches letters and basic concepts to a two-year-old it's on my christmas list i, I don't want to bang on about this about the you know the the, the the state of Braille in the world today, because I feel we always end up back at this conversation. I think we're all in agreement that, yes. well, I hope we're all in agreement that, that Braille has a very bright future and, and that low-cost Braille solutions like the Orbit Reader 20 will go towards that. But, you know, I, I just, I still think even today with, with the Orbit Reader, uh, as great as it is, and it is a great piece of kit, I mean, it is actually a really, really nice piece of kit to use. It's still very expensive. And, you know, if you're asking Joe Public out there who weren't blind or partially sighted to spend upwards of $400, $500, $600 on a Kindle, um, well, they wouldn't sell very well, would they? At least not as many. It would be out of the reach of a lot of people who really could use it the most. And we're talking here about leisure devices, and this is the point for me. You know, for me, it's, I mean, there's two reasons why I'm learning Braille. One is so I can read notes on the show and be more proficient that way and be a bit more useful at work. Uh, and also uh, to read at leisure, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not all, it doesn't always have to be serious when you're blind. You know, you can have fun. Really? Believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Did you not get I the memo? to that bit? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't aware. No, it's, it's true though. It's, it's either, you know, it's, it's educational or it's for work. You know, other than that, we're just sat in the dark. No, that, that's not true. You can do, uh, read for pleasure just like everyone else does. Yes. And they're really cool to I mean, anything that promotes for, yes, of course, we're all in agreement on, uh, that. Um, another one that, well, you know, it could be work or pleasure. And I think it's really cool. You know, there's been a lot of these toys, uh, for kids to teach programming concepts. Have you heard of uh, this, uh, code jumper, uh, system yet? Yeah. Well, I haven't no, but he does. 
Well, we'll explain it a little bit here. So yeah, Code Jumper is a set of pods designed to teach programming concepts. So what is a loop? What is a constant? What is an if statement? You don't have to know any of these things, but if you were to get this, it's a whole bunch of connected uh, pods. You kind of wire them all together. And based on how each one is set and how the dials are set, um, the hub, the code jumper hub will play back your quote unquote code. So it's an idea to teach very basic coding concepts to kids. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of these toys in the mainstream, but this is the first one that I've seen that's really been quite accessible for the blind. So it's another, you know, highly sought after careers, you know, trying to do more to teach kids STEM, make sure you learn these things at an early age. Um, so it's really exciting to to see this one live. Absolutely. And there's so much interest in, in teaching children coding now. You know, I've seen lots of um, school projects on building an app and however they do that, whatever language they use. But this almost physical, tactile, um, Lego-style version of coding, basically putting blocks to represent the code. It's all about getting logical thinking and structure in place. Um, it, it's fantastic because it does get it sort of in place at a young age, which is, you know, where people get interested in this sort of thing. Yeah, and it's designed in a way that a teacher could teach it without really knowing anything about coding, at least this part of it, because yeah. it's all very basic concepts. For instance, so you have a pod that's a loop pod, and you just turn the dial to say how many times do you want the section of code to loop, and it will read out uh, in audio as you turn the dial, and then you go ahead and play back the code, and it goes from there. So, you know, it's free any language you don't this is not even this is before you would learn a programming language your next step would be to go start doing some basic code with an arduino board or a raspberry pi or yep. computers whatever so this is the very beginning it's all about thinking logically though and setting up that structure and the, the exactly. easiest way to do that is this way i think it's a great idea does the the chaos theory work with any of this because if it does i'm really in with a shout <laughs> you're always looking to take over the world aren't you somehow well, chaotically, usually, yes. Um, no, I mean, I, I've, you know, I've said for years, there's two things you should learn in life, and that's to code and speak Mandarin, and then you're pretty much set up for life, no matter what happens. Um, and we've I, done neither. And we've done neither, yeah, exactly. But I, I think this is great for kids, and, you know, maybe even some adults as well who might be keen to, to get into this. Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like there's, there's a lot going on at ATIA. Uh, you, you were the, is this your first time there? No, I've been there off and on uh, for the past 10 years ago. It's not a show I go to every year, but when I'm able to make it work, hey, it's Florida in January. I'm standing outside, as people can hear. And it's about 35 degrees, and we've had a light drizzle off and on today. We're there. It was 75 you know, so don't really need much of an excuse or a technology conference to go to Florida. And I bet those after-show parties with those educators, I bet they're off the hook. Right, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Just hang out. There's a nice big pool in the middle of the whole thing, and just hang out there. And well, listen. I know you're you're speaking to us, and you're kind of that means you're not having your coffee. So we're going to make sure we change that now and let you go have that coffee. JJ, it's been great having you on. Uh, remind us again where you get the podcast for for everything that's coming and when it's coming as well. So once again, blindbargains.com. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, we'll at least have a couple, hopefully, of our ATIA podcasts up, and they're going to be released one or two a day until we get all of them out. And then after that, we'll do our weekly podcasts and our CSUN podcasts. We do lots of uh, access technology coverage all through the year. So blindbargains.com or to search for the Blind Bargains app on iOS or Android or listen and subscribe wherever you can find, find podcasts like this one. Excellent. Thank you, JJ. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. 
So there you go. You can find out all you need to know about ATIA uh, from the Blind Bargains podcast. And of course, we'll continue talking about it here as we get more information about the individual products that launch on Double Tap Canada. Stick around. Your email's coming up. Lots of you interested in Bose frames and the news on the way. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. Welcome back. This is Double Tap Canada. Sean with me this week. Uh, Do you know JJ seemed like he had a good time? Well, I'm not surprised. Florida in the sun. What's not to like? (laughs) Yeah. Tim's in the Caribbean. uh, JJ's in Florida. And we're in the UK freezing. I'm in a shed in Manchester. I know there's something (laughs) wrong. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's good to be uh, back on because we've got lots to talk about this week. I want to get into the news and your emails as well. Uh, We're going to kick off with the emails because actually a lot of people talking about Bose frames this week on our email inbox. Uh, Bev got in touch to say on the last show I had Tim discuss the new Bose sunglasses with headphones. Now such a device would be extremely helpful for any blind or visually impaired person, and I look forward to acquiring some. Now, uh, Bev says, My wife explored the uh, Bose website and found the description of the new unit. It seemed to me that the lens darkness would not be appropriate for those affected by bright sunlight, thus requiring very dark lenses, preferably amber. So my question to you is, would any uh, urging from AMI and the guys on Double Tap Canada enlighten Bose to the needs of the many in the blind community. I would also ask of Tim to work on mobilising the American blind community to enlighten Bose. <laughs> I'm sure that the engineers rarely if ever think about their products being used by any others than fully sighted persons. Something to think about from Bev, who is in Strathroy in Ontario. Um, I agree, Bev, actually. Uh, I, I Actually, that final point you make there about um, you know the, the company's not really realising that we exist in mind, you know, that we use their products. It's probably true. Well, I'm really surprised, and it's a shame Tim isn't here because he's the one that's done a lot of research and drooling over these. But I would be surprised if you weren't able to swap the lenses out or at least uh, choose a lens you'd like because these aren't, you know, throwaway sunglasses at all. So being able to choose either a dark lens or even a clear lens um, should be an option. But you're right. I mean, if it isn't an option, then we should make it known to them that it's something we do want. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's a difficult one with these because, yeah, they aren't throwaway glasses, but they are also they're kind of leisurely devices. I know that the the elements, you know, the, the, the headphones are going to be the main thing here, and that's really what, what you're buying. The glasses part is just the bit you wear, and, you know, they happen to be sunglasses. Yeah. It would be nice, though, to get... I mean, I, I would like prescription in them. I would like, you know, darker glasses. I agree with you uh, on that point, Bev. So I'd be interested to see if, if Bose would do that. Yeah, we'll get in touch. We'll mobilise the army immediately. We'll mobilise the blind army... <laughs> Um, we'll see if we get anywhere with it. But, uh, yeah, that could be interesting. Well, staying on that topic, Aaron Linson has been back in touch to say uh, to Tim, uh, and it is a shame Tim's not here because uh, these are for him, uh, but uh, Aaron says, in the last show you mentioned the Bose frames, you said something that was interesting to me and got me thinking. You said that the frames could be used for looking at a building and getting things like menu options, directions, hours, etc. What makes these different apart from IRA services? I'm interested that I just don't want to replace or uh, would feel that the frames would be replacing Iris since I'm already paying for that service. Yeah. Um, well, that that 
particular example of getting menus and, and things and information about buildings was the one given by Bose. That's that's what they're aiming for. That's the um, AR aspect of these glasses. But of course, Ira is a different project totally different it's it's more the visual aspect with a camera built into the glasses and an actual human agent being able to tell you of your surroundings around you of course no matter how good ai artificial intelligence get it's it's all running off the data it has access to and if you're you know looking at a building that hasn't been listed or there isn't a menu to or whatever information you need then you're not going to get that whereas with a human agent they can describe things so there is a difference of course like with a lot of this technology as we spoke about before with jj there is crossover aspects to it but um yeah this is a, a different thing and plus you've got the the different ira is a subscription model whereas these would be a one-off payment so there is differences yeah, there are. And I think the key one for me would be the live aspect. You know, you've got someone there with you who is live, who can react to things, who is also giving you the information that you would need, and you can also clarify that information. What I often find with all this other stuff, at the moment anyway, is it is built to be fun, it's built to be leisurely, it's not built for perhaps the in-depth amount of detail that we need, and also it does depend if the company has all the information available i assume on something like google um or foursquare or well, whatever it would right. be that yeah. they use you know because if, if you will buy a shop and you look at it uh, there might be no information for that store it might be bob's coffee shop and bob's <laughs> coffee shop doesn't have anything of interest there or maybe it's turned into an opticians which would be rather hilarious because you'd walk in thinking it was bob's <laughs> coffee shop and they say, actually, it's an opticians. It'd be like an old uh, joke you've you know. heard a thousand times before. Yes, I know. Exactly. But I, I think for me as well, Ira is more about, well, this is maybe a personal thing that I take away from Ira, is more about the mobility, uh, being able to get out and about. And, you know, as you said, the human live aspect of being able to react to your environment. That's the main thing for me. Other than that, uh, there's other options out there, be my eye, seeing AI that I can use. But for actually navigating and being mobile and taking that anxiety away from a route you don't know, you can't beat something like Ira. Um, so keep your emails coming in on this because, you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Does this appeal to you? Uh, we are very keen for, for, well, Tim's going to get a, a version of these. Oh, we definitely uh, will. They, he can't wait. Well, I think it's partly because he's got the 30-day return policy, which I must say, I quite <laughs> like that idea as well. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, they're lovely. Yeah, great, but I'm sending them back. Um, <laughs> also, that, that keeps your wife happy in our case. Yes. You know, it's, I think it's quite good. It keeps everyone happy in the home. Um, so, yeah, keep your emails coming. <laughs> uh, You're so optimistic feed- this week, Stephen. I, I know, like it. I know, I know. Uh, feedback at ami.ca that's how to get in touch if you want to. Feedback at ami.ca. So, you know me in music, right? You know I love high-quality music and I get mm-hmm. obsessed. You you have no standards at all. Well, when you say high-quality... I, I could just leave that sentence there. Uh, but yes, in music terms, yes. You're talking, you love country music. So when you say high-quality, yes, you mean, you mean the, the sound quality, don't you, rather than the actual music itself? <laughs> um... Yes, I, I guess I am. I, I can't, you know, it's, it's very difficult to argue with you when you say that because, um, yeah. But no, I love my country music and I love lots of other music as well. And I like high quality and it's, it's fun because I got the uh, Bose QC35 Mark II. Yes, we know. You keep saying, oh, she's 
so proud of those, aren't you? I know. Well, not last year, I got them, but the year before. And I'll be honest, I don't feel like since when I got them, I've ever really had a proper road test with music with them because everything I'm listening to is through Amazon, even Apple Music, and oh. the quality's a bit. <laughs> yep, that's true. I, and I'll be honest, the better the headphone, the worse the bad music will sound. <laughs> yes, you can you hear know. that hiss in the background, yes. <laughs> like, if you're listening through your earpods, right, that you get with the phone, you probably think it's okay. It is. You know, it's kind of it kind of marries up. It's like the quality levels marry up with each other. So you think, well, okay, fine, it doesn't sound great, okay, whatever. Um, but when you've got the quality headphones on, you want quality music through them. Now, two options exist for me right now. One is to spend the rest of my life ripping every CD I've got, and building up a collection, trying to find a suitable way to do that, an easy, accessible way, which I'm, I'll be honest, is doable with something like iTunes. There are options for the PC programs. Uh, what's the one I use? I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll need to go back in my computer and find it for you to, to tell you. But it's a really, um, ex- well, it's accessible-ish. Ish. It, I was it, waiting it, for the ish yeah. at the end of that. I knew it was coming. It's actually most rippers are fine because you just once you could argue once you set the the bit rate where the files are going, how you maybe want them laid out. You just basically put a CD in and rip it, and that's it. But the problem yep. is the data that it picks up. That can often be the challenge, and getting the the the, the tracks all named properly, tagged, tagged, yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, do you know that way I want to do it? I really, really do. But I'm also kind of like I've got a life to lead. <laughs> yes, I know. But and then you end up with problem. track one, track two, track three, and you have no idea what they oh, are. Oh, I know. Yeah. And that happens so often. Or worse, because some of them are copy protected, you can't even put them on. Yeah. We'll let you. Um, so that's annoying. So that was why I made a decision this, uh, th- actually, today, to be exact. Uh, and this morning at 5 a.m., because I was awake, I decided to subscribe to Tidal. No. Wow, I am shocked. Well, yeah, so, so was I when I saw the price. Um, I'm shocked at 5am for one thing. But, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, the thing is, right, so Tidal offers you hi-fi quality, so CD quality tracks. Uh, and I've been testing this a lot this morning uh, and testing lots of different tracks by artists who you might not imagine, like, you know, Neil Sedaka. Right, bet you haven't got a decent quality <laughs> album of his. And they do. Uh, the Carpenters, they do. Um, Peters and Lee, they do. Uh, loads of old stuff. Uh, loads. I mean, I expect the new stuff to be good, but you know, I expect the older stuff to maybe be uh, okay. But no, it's fine. It's all high quality, and it has made my Bose headphones come to life in my mind. I mean, honestly, the music just sounds so much better, much more rounded. It feels like stereo in my ears. Uh, I feel like I'm hearing every single um, you know, string and violin that's being played or whatever. Uh, it is brilliant, the difference it makes. However... I did, now, is this not a placebo effect? You're expecting higher quality so you hear it? No, Sean, it's called higher quality music. You don't understand because you get no standards. <laughs> I do understand. Listen, I was listening to a Spotify uh, playlist the other day and something came on and I thought my, my dot three was broken because it was almost like uh, on the radio when it's not quite tuned in properly there was a bit of a hiss to it Mm. um and i checked it again and it wasn't it was actually the you know the quality and the the bit rate or whatever it was of that song and i was actually quite shocked because that's the first time i've really noticed it i'm shocked i mean i'm shocked you even noticed 
Well, look, I, I must admit, I, I don't sit and listen to music. It's on while I'm doing something. If I'm yeah, yeah, eating yeah. Or, or watching TV, I might... <laughs> and most people are like that, in fairness. Yeah. I might have something on in the background, a radio on or, or something or, you know, whatever. So it's nothing, as you said, that actually sit down and enjoy uh, music I don't do very often. No, and uh, I, I don't either, if I'm honest. I don't get a lot of time to do it, but when I do... It's kind of like, I suppose it's a bit like my TV watching these days, which, you know, we'll get into this next week maybe, but, you know, that is going down and down and down and down and down. Yeah. And I'm kind of wanting to listen to things more. And, I mean, audiobooks is a great example. Uh, I signed up to uh, one of the uh, audio services, book services for, for blind people uh, in the UK, and I was kind of shocked by the audio quality. Uh, it wasn't great at all. And I thought, hmm, that's not really very good. And, you know, the kind of standard that was set to me was pretty, the bar was pretty low. I can't listen to a book for 17 hours with hissing and, you know, <laughs> just that kind of horrible MP3 sound to it. But the Whereas, difference, I think a lot of those audiobooks, are, some are recorded so long ago, it's it's just from tape. Well, that's, well, that's right. Although I, I, you know, being a bit of a, an obsessive about this, you know, it, it was something I looked into. And yeah, they are low quality bitrate files, which are great for streaming. I get that, but um, but yeah, not so great to, to listen to for no. a long period of time. So you know, I subscribe to Audible. Simple as that. And you know, I get better quality. Amazing uh, from that. quality. So yeah, and you know, the thing is, if you've got like I've got, you know, a couple of Sonos Play Fives hooked up, and <sighs> here he you is know, again. Yeah, but honestly, you know, you put decent sound quality in. And you get decent service, then brilliant. And and with Tidal, I cannot wait to hear it booming through those. Uh, and also the HomePod. I'm going to put it through its paces as well, because the HomePod, although the HomePod doesn't directly support Tidal, like the, the device itself, you can't just ask to play Tidal, um, I can AirPlay to it, which is great. Um, yeah. And I, I haven't tried this yet, and I wish I had tried it before I came on, because this, this would have been great to try. But I was reading somewhere that if you airplay from your phone to a speaker like that, not just the HomePod, I think, but any device you airplay to, not Bluetooth Connect, but actually use airplay, it keeps voiceover local on the phone and doesn't send it to the speaker. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm just going off the Apple TV. If I airplay from my phone to the Apple TV, and I must admit that's something I haven't done in a long time, but you can still... Uh, voiceover stays on your phone and you can control you know playback that way that's brilliant um, though isn't it yeah well it, it makes sense yeah it sounds like the best way to do it yeah but i mean it's, it's like one of those things that someone must has either thought about or it's a mistake and it kind of just works <laughs> because way, truthfully works. Yeah. if you're listening to music and and it's, it's like if you're if you've got friends around they don't want to hear voiceover going bah, 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 bah. you also don't want messages coming in over the top of it and all the rest that's right so, no, that's a really good thing. But, yes, yeah, so Tidal is actually, I'm kind of annoyed about this, it's cheaper in Canada than it is in the UK. Oh, well, move. Yeah. <laughs> I re Listen, the way the way things are going in this country yes, with Brexit. we all I, are. I, I, the, partly the reason I think I'm doing this show is, is because I really want to live in Canada. And it's like, you know, does this, does this give me a free pass? <laughs> who wouldn't? Uh, and, well, who wouldn't want to live in Canada? That's my thing. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but in terms of price... You've got what's called the premium um, version of this, which gives you standard sound quality, so not high quality, but it gives you high-definition music videos, uh, 
playlists as well, expertly curated editorial according to the website. Um, $9.99, that's US, um, but the the price applies to Canada based on the website here uh, because I've I've gone to Tidal's website in Canada, so it's US dollars pricing. Uh, But $9.99 US dollars um, a month. So that's standard. But if you want to go up, well, you're doubling your price for the hi-fi quality, $19.99. And that's with Ooh. lossless, high-fidelity sound quality. In the UK, that translates to £26, which is more than uh, the US and Canada will pay. Wow. Um, well, you've got to I'm pay paying. for quality, Stephen. Look, I, but for me, I mean, uh, comparing it to the other services that are already out there, why would you just go for the standard Tidal anyway? The whole point of Tidal exactly. is the audio quality, that lossless quality. So if you're going to do it, go all in, because otherwise you might as well go somewhere else, Amazon or YouTube Music, wherever. Well, that's it. I mean, I guess what people will say is that they're buying into, well, what Tidal would say, I guess, is that, you know, well, you're buying into the experience and the curated playlists and all the editorial that comes with it. Yeah, 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 that's all lovely. Uh, If you want all that, brilliant. But I'm I'm not too fussed about that. I'm (laughs) What I'm more interested in is, is the music itself and, and it's the quality of the music. So, yeah, that's why I chose it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was quite interesting. So, you know, Tidal, if you are a bit of an audio obsessive, if you like high-quality audio, you can get, a, I think it's a seven-day trial or a 30-day trial, I think it is. Uh, so, you know, try it. You don't have to spend the money. But uh, obviously you lose all the music if you don't continue with the service. Um and you, you don't, don't have to get up at 5 a.m. to subscribe either. No, 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 that's, that's not that's optional. Not a thing. Yeah, that's right. That's that's up to you. It does show, though, that the other yeah. streaming services do need to do something to address this because some of the quality is pretty bad. As I said, for everyday background use, it's fine. Um, and, and for, I don't know, even a little bit more than that. But if you really do want to sit and enjoy your music, it is lacking in audio quality. And there isn't really a reason for that. They, they should have access to the lossless quality. The amount of bandwidth they need to stream it, I mean, the bandwidth they're using now must be huge. So I don't know if it would make a huge impact on that. So I think it's something that maybe the other streaming services will look into a bit later on. Yeah, but then I suppose there's the argument, you know, to kind of play devil's advocate on myself for a second here. Um, I kind of think there's probably so many people out there with small Bluetooth speakers or Amazon Echoes or Google Homes, um, you know, listening on the phone perhaps, maybe with a pair of headphones in. Um, I don't think there's a huge or as big a demand perhaps for high, high quality audio that, you know, like us audiophiles love, you know, I don't think there's a huge demand for it. No, I don't, I don't think it's it's a priority, but still, no. I mean, my experience with that one song really made me think, wow, this isn't, you know, a replacement for buying CDs, as I assumed it was. There is that loss of quality there, and it is almost like the radio to some degree. Most of the time it's fine and you don't notice, but if you are paying for a service, I mean, I, I think it's something they need to look into. I remember, um, I can't remember when it was, but I read a, a survey or a study or whatever it was into piracy and people who download albums and all that. And of course, I, I think that's probably, I don't know if it still goes on, it probably does. Um, but I, with streaming services, you kind of think, well, why would you bother? Um, yeah. You know, you can get an, an Amazon music subscription, you know, Spotify, whatever, you know, why would you bother downloading it illegally? But what people were doing, apparently, 
was they were downloading it so they could maybe get a hint of a couple of tracks, but then going out and buying the album. And they said it wasn't affecting sales as much as people thought it was. People were actually just using it as a way to to sample, if you like. What they <laughs> yes, try before you buy. Yeah. Well, that's always been an argument uh, when it comes to piracy, that you know, looking at the stats, a lot of people do buy. If they enjoy it, they do buy it anyway. And you know, some people would say, well, you're not losing sales because the person that doesn't buy it wouldn't have bought it anyway. But either way, well, I think... I don't know, do the piracy thing, but what I do is I, I actually do the very same thing, but with streaming. So I listen to an album, and I'll think, I really like that album, and I go out and I'll buy it. But the reason I do that is because I fear that it'll disappear from the streaming service one day, and that's then you right. lose it all together. Yeah, so, again, it goes back to that not physically owning anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, it's almost like a, you're renting it, so you never really own anything. But I don't know. I think if people, one of the things with piracy also was that people wanted access to it. it the whole, it was released in America, but not in UK or Canada mm. or what, something like that. And when the internet came along, people were saying, well, why? Why? They've got it and I, and I want access to it as well. So I think, you know, people will always pay for quality and if they can access it. So that's where streaming services really took over. There wasn't a need for piracy anymore. Just want to mention a couple of stories, uh, because we don't have a huge amount of time left, because you and I just talk too much. That's um, you rambling on, man. I know, I know, I know. It's my fault, always. Uh, Google have announced two new features this week that could benefit those who are deaf or hard of hearing. Now, what they've done is they've announced these features called Live Transcribe, which sounds brilliant, and Sound Amplify. So let me explain what these are. Live Transcribe is to help you communicate with someone so maybe you don't speak sign language or you can't you feel you're not able to communicate properly with someone who is deaf or hard of hearing well live transcribe essentially is that it just transcribes what you're saying on a screen to the other person and the only bit i'm not sure about is what happens the other way if someone's signing to you i don't know if it will I assume it only picks up on voice. So I'm not sure how the person would communicate yes, back no, to you. Yes, no, it doesn't pick up on signing. It is just voice-driven. But mm. either way, look, this, this is one of those magic um, applications to me. It's the same when I first got my iPhone and I pointed it at a, a can of something and it told me what it was. Back then, I was blown away. It is almost like magic. And this is the same thing. This real-time um, live transcription is amazing. We're seeing it in in a lot of places now. There's an iOS app called Clip, uh, and that is for purely shooting your own little selfie videos. But there's an option in there where it will transcribe what you're saying live. And you know, again, the technology is so good, which is amazing because half the time people complain about dictation on smartphones. Yeah. But and also Skype has something like this. I haven't tried this yet, but there is a live transcription feature in Skype. So if you're talking to someone, you can get live transcription and also translations from different languages. I mean, this stuff is truly, I don't know, it's futuristic, but this um, this application for it, for communicating with someone who's hard of hearing is amazing. Well, I mentioned last week about Live Listen, um, which is on the Apple iPhone. I'll be honest, it's in a weird place. Uh, you find it in the under control center rather than accessibility, which I don't really understand, but uh, that's where it lives. Uh, and it essentially allows you to use your camera or your phone, I should say, your phone's microphone uh, connected via AirPods. It has to be AirPods. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know yeah. if it works on anything else, but it's certainly the only talk about AirPods. Uh, or your hearing aid. 
So if you've got a, what they call a made-for-iPhone hearing aid, then you're able to uh, connect that to your iPhone and then hopefully you know, you'll hear better as a result. Well, Google have brought out something similar called Sound Amplify, and it's aimed at those with hearing loss, so who might be able to hear something but could benefit from being able to tweak some of the sound settings on your phone. Um, it is being billed as the hearing aid app for Android. That sounds rather interesting as well. Yes, and plus you don't have the limitation of having to have AirPods. You can use it with wired headphones, any headphones, uh, as far as I know. But um, yeah, again, a great use for something like this. And it just makes sense. The ability to um, filter out different sounds and amplify the sounds, the vocals that you want, uh, you know, what's not to like about this? It's it's great news. Both of these released at the same time. Uh, Google's doing great things. Unfortunately, there's always a button on these things. Yep. Both are going to become pre-installed on uh, Pixel 3 phones, which I've got, which is nice for me. Uh, you'll find it in accessibility settings. But if you don't have the Pixel 3, you are going to have to wait a little bit. Um, what is it that Google... Um, oh, no, I beg your pardon. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading my own notes and, and not doing very well here. <laughs> uh, it actually it is available via the Google Play Store for other phones. So it is available. Um, Live Transcribe is being released as a limited beta. Sound Amplify requires phones running Android 9, which is Pi, and that does limit the availability a little bit. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's you know it's it's I, th- I guess with this kind of stuff you know the lower end Android phones might not be able to keep up in the same way. It's probably about performance, I'd imagine. They want to yeah, make sure it's working. Quality on Quality of first. the microphone, things like that. But exactly, you know, it, yeah. it's it's if you've got Android, then you're used to this sort of thing. You know, the the different hardware, the different versions, uh, running different versions of the OS. People are used to that with Android, so this is no big um, shock. No, absolutely not. Uh, and just on the Apple Live Listen feature, if you check out our website, doubletap.online, uh, you'll find out lots more about these stories, and you'll also get a step-by-step guide on how to enable Live Listen for anyone who wants to use it, but also for people who use VoiceOver on your iPhone, then uh, there's a full guide there that you can check out on the website, Double tap. Dot online. Leave your feedback and say hello to us and uh, keep up to date with all the stories throughout the week when we are not here. And speaking of not being here, uh, that's AMI at the door again. <laughs> we need to go. Um, but listen, thank you so much, uh, Sean, because it's been it's been a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed talking to JJ today. Yeah, he was um, great. JJ and, and Blind Bargains does great work. I am blown away by this toy for kids to learn Braille at 99 that is just amazing to me, and I think that is going to be something that will. I, I, I'd love to think that you know parents of blind children will think this is just a great idea because for any parent who's listening right now who thinks should I or should I not allow my kid to learn braille? Should I not not force them down the you know sound route as in listening through a computer or whatever else? You've just got to think about literacy, the importance of literacy. How would you as a sighted person cope without being able to read or write Yeah, and have to do everything by listening? Because that essentially is what Braille is. It is literacy. And, you know, having gone through my own experience over the last few years of being unable to read properly and, you know, being able to now read again thanks to Braille, 
it is. It's, it's, it blows me away. It's so, all about you know, giving more support. choice, doesn't it? It gives you more options. You, you can't just rely on a speech synth all your life. If you've got that other option there, then you're, you're just covered. It makes sense. I mean, working life, you know, your, your job prospects will change immeasurably yeah. if you're able to read and write. Simple as that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's our show for this week. Uh, Tim, I uh, hope you're having a wonderful holiday. We'll catch you back soon, I'm sure, uh, here on the show next week. Um, I will not be here for the next couple of weeks. Wow, why? You're not going on a cruise as well. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, but unfortunately, my my work life takes me away. So uh, I shall not be around for the next couple of weeks. But Sean and Tim will be. They'll probably find someone to replace me while they're at it. Um, <laughs> JJ. But keep in touch. Feedback at ami.ca. And I'll catch you again in a couple of weeks' time. Sean and Tim taking care of things till then. Whoa, whoa. I don't know about taking care of it. But um, yes, we will be here. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.